now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Say this loud, bold and strong with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. All right, this morning I am not going to do some heavy-duty teaching. It's not going to be very intense in terms of uh, exploring the Word of God. Uh, It's just a little light, Uh, but... I want to begin a discussion, a a thinking on city transformation, on city transformation. And so really what we want to talk about starting today and just maybe a few more Sundays is to come up with a strategy for city transformation and see how we as a church, as believers can be involved in seeing the transformation of our city. There's been a lot of interest in the Christian world, in the church, around this area of city transformation for a long time. It's not a new topic. It's not something we're just beginning to talk about in recent uh, years or not even in recent decades. There's been a, a substantial interest in reaching cities for the kingdom of God. I think back in the 1915 and 1915, 1917, there was a, 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 a significant paper written on reaching our cities for God. But I think uh, in the late 1980s, especially uh, through a book that John Dawson was with YWAM, he came out with a book, Taking Our Cities for God. This was in 1989. And that book probably was a forerunner, a precursor to uh, this whole thought and, and, and discussion on how we as Christians, we as believers, can affect cities for God. And since that time, uh, there have been several other books written on reaching cities, on urban missions, on uh, impacting cities for the kingdom of God. Floyd McClung is another notable uh, person and authority in this field. Uh, he's written several books, Spirits of the City, Father Heart of God, and so on all centered around urban missions and reaching cities for God. There have been several others who have also written. There's a lot of literature on this, a lot of teaching on this. Uh, Peter Wagner, some of you may have read his books, who came up with a lot of understanding on on, on, uh, spiritual warfare just centered around uh, impacting urban centers for the kingdom of God. He's written several books on that. Uh, George Otis Jr. uh, of the Sentinel Group, he came up with some real amazing videos 
uh, again in the 1980s, 1990s, I guess, uh, on the transformation of cities, where they focus a lot of time and effort and research on, on what brings about transformation of cities, trying to document what different people did in different parts of the world to see communities transformed. Uh, all that research having been done, all that work having gone into it, uh, we are still a long way from seeing cities transformed for Jesus Christ. So this is still unexplored territory. There is no one set model. There is no one set strategy that somebody could present and say, do this and your city will be changed. Because if there was, we would have had a lot of cities changed around the world by this time. So we are on a journey. As a church, as leaders here, we ourselves are exploring trying to discern and trying to understand what's it going to take to impact this city of Bangalore for the gospel, for the kingdom of God. So this is new ground for all of us, including us leaders. Uh, we haven't done this before. We haven't uh, necessarily seen cities changed before. So we're all journeying in this together. So this morning, I always want to share some thoughts here, not necessarily some deep Bible study as such, but but just the message being a precursor to more that is to come in the coming Sundays on a strategy that we believe we all can engage in, in seeing our city transformed. But let's begin by defining what do we mean by city transformation? What are we talking about and what are we not referring to when we talk about city transformation? Now, a lot of people, a lot of different groups are interested in city transformation. For example, sociologists are very interested in city transformation. They will look at the city, uh, urban centers, uh, and look at the social problems of an urban setting, like poverty, unemployment, health and hygiene, education, and lots of other problems that go on in a city and would want to address that and bring about social transformation. So large organizations like the United Nations or UNESCO and other related organizations are, are all pursuing social transformation. And that is good. There are people who will talk about economic transformation of cities. Economists who are interested in understanding how finances work in the city, about employment, how jobs and all those things happen. They're interested in city transformation from an economic standpoint. They're looking at how can we bring about even distribution of wealth and, and create more jobs and, and, and address those kinds of things and issues like poverty and so on. There are also others who look at the cultural change in cities. So they're looking at cultural transformation. People come from rural settings, move into the urban centers, and cultures change. They come with a certain mindset, and then all of that changes. And so cities are undergoing lots of change, social, economic, cultural transformation, so on. And there are people who are studying all these things. But we as believers, as a church, when we talk about city transformation, we are talking about spiritual transformation of the city. For us, when we say see transformation, we are simply talking about seeing souls brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of the gospel and learning to live the kingdom life. Amen? 
When we talk about city transformation, it must be absolutely clear that we're referring to people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and being discipled to live the life Jesus wants them to live. That is what we're talking about when we use the term city transformation. And we must be clear, uh, careful not to confuse social, economic, or cultural transformation with the kind of transformation we're talking about. Because for us, social transformation, economic transformation, cultural change are an outcome, but not the prime objective. The prime objective is to see spiritual transformation. And obviously, when people are changed spiritually, the social life changes. They stop robbing, killing, and looting. And when they are spiritually transformed, there will be economic transformation. As a result, God will begin to bless them and give them a wisdom on how to progress in life. There will be cultural transformation. They will begin to live life according to kingdom values and kingdom principles. So those will be outcomes. But the primary objective is not social transformation. It's not cultural. It's not economic. Those are byproducts. For us, our primary objective is to see spiritual transformation of people in our city. That's what we mean. When we use the term city transformation. Is that all clear? Amen. So let's not confuse uh, uh, what the objective is. We want to see people brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. Now, why should we discuss and engage in city transformation? Why? Because we must understand that the Lord Jesus has given the great commission to every believer. He has given the great commission to all of us. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. So that commission stands for you and me today. We are to go and make disciples. Not better human beings, disciples. Amen? We are to make disciples. Now hopefully disciples will live better lives, but... And our goal is not just hitting at social or, uh, you know, seeing those kinds of change. For us, we want to see heart change. We want to see lives saved. We want to see disciples of Jesus made. And he has given us a great commission. Now, here's the important thing. Just about 200 years ago, 3% of the world's population lived in cities. So just about 200 years ago, if you wanted to serve God, you wanted to be a missionary, You had to go looking for people, not in cities, but out there, in the mountains, in the tribal areas. But today, in our world, 50% of the world's population lives in cities. So where is our mission field? Cities. 50% and growing of the world's population today is living in cities. So being a missionary doesn't mean necessarily going off to some far off, you know, over the mountains, under the valleys, behind the bushes, people. You can do that if you want. And if you're called to it, God bless you. But what we must understand is 50% of the world is living in cities. Our city is a mission field. Cities of the world are a mission field. You are in the mission field. Amen. You're there. 
Because the world has come to our doorstep. They're right here in our city. And therefore, in order to fulfill this great commission, we must talk about city transformation. God cares about people in cities. He cares about all the lives of millions of people living in this city of Bangalore. He cares about them. The next important thing we must understand is that the key to city transformation is you, is me. We, believers, are the key to city transformation. You know, and I'm, I do not say this in any demeaning way, but I want us to face reality. We've had the greatest evangelists in the world come to our city. They have held crusades, some of them several times. But our city has not been reached. So what's the point? The point is that just having great evangelists come to our city is not necessarily going to result in city transformation. Having mega churches, having superstar pastors will not result in city transformation. Every believer, every believer must be involved in seeing our city changed. Amen? Every believer. Now, the other reality that we see in our city and Again, I'm not doing this to complain, but just speaking from experience, is that it is very hard to get pastors in a city together. It's very hard. I was of the opinion that maybe we could see city transformation happening top down. And if maybe we get pastors together, we then bring our churches together for you know, times of prayer and intercession and develop strategies that that churches could collaborate with and engage in reaching our city. Maybe in some parts of the world that has happened, but it's not easy, at least in our city. And so now the pendulum has swung to the other end. And I'm saying, it's going to take you, not the pastors of the city, to see the city transform. Amen? You and I cannot wait around, sit around waiting for the pastors to make up their minds to work together. Eternity might come and go by that time. And so you and I might as well just come together and say, look, every believer, you and I must be engaged in seeing our city transform. Let's go about doing it. And that's what this whole series of, of talks or, or messages on city transformation is about. The key to city transformation is each one of us sitting here. We must engage in seeing our city reach for Jesus Christ. And so what we want to do is together prayerfully seeking the heart of God, arrive at a strategy which may not yet necessarily been implemented before or explored before, but we learn from the lessons of others and we come receive the wisdom of God, come together, understand, agree upon a strategy and begin to engage our city to see our city reached for Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we want to do. 
So this morning, I just want to share a few insights, a few thoughts here with us as a precursor for more to come on how we are going to impact our city. We must also keep in mind that it is us, the inhabitants of the city, who can have the greatest impact on the city. We can have people come and go, and they will have some kind of impact. But you and I who live in this city day in and day out, we are the ones who are going to make the greatest impact. Amen? Because we're people of the city. We live here. We can be salt and light in the city. So here are some things I want to present to us as we begin our journey here on developing a strategy for city transformation. And uh, the first one is this. That city transformation, which I've just mentioned here, city transformation will take place when every believer is, in, is involved in city transformation. Everyone, all of us must be involved. We're not waiting, sitting around waiting for some great evangelist to come and do the job. We're not waiting around for some mega church to rise up. We're not waiting around for some superstar pastor to arrive on the scene. You and I are going to engage in seeing our city reach for Jesus Christ. Amen? So city transformation will begin to take place when every believer is engaged in the process. Number two is this. City transformation will take place when every believer is personally transformed, equipped and empowered to engage in city transformation. Every believer must undergo personal transformation, be discipled, be equipped, and be empowered to reach the city. Now why is this point so important? Because... Traditionally speaking, and it continues even now in many churches, is that believers are discouraged from having their own ministry. And this continues in many churches. In fact, in many churches, the only idea of lay ministry is stuff believers do inside church, like arranging chairs and stuff. The moment you feel called by God and you go out to do something for God, pastor says, do you have a MDiv or BD or where's your degree? Where are your credentials? Sit down. It may not be, sometimes it's intentional because uh, they feel insecure that others are engaged in ministry and sometimes it's totally unintentional. They, they don't know better. So in most churches, the traditional mindset is that believers are here just to be attenders Sunday after Sunday in church. At most, give their tithes and the best is maybe serve inside church under the control of the pastor. But I want us to understand that's not the way we function. I want us to understand that we are purposeful in discipling, equipping, empowering, and releasing people to be ministers of God in our city. In fact, we want each one of you to have your own ministry doing something for God in the city. From what I know, there are at least 30-some people in all our locations put together here in Bangalore who have their own ministry. They're doing it on their own, serving God. Sometimes they give a name to their ministry. It has a name. Sometimes they don't have a name, but they're just still serving God outside the church in the city. And we want to see every one of us doing something like that. Because it's going to take the involvement of all of us 
to impact, affect, and transform our city. Amen? I mean, so many things. As a young, you know, there's some young people who, who hold meetings in their schools and college. Reaching people. They don't have a ministry name. It's not called Jim Jones Ministries, whatever. But they're doing something for God. There are people who go out in the slums and, and uh, the work began in a small way. But now they're covering two slums, uh, more than 40 homes. Uh, an English school has been started. Many lives have been taught. Two churches have been planted among the slums. There's a lady from our south church. She sat on her own. Great work. So we need more and more and more people like this. Rising up with a vision. Doing something. Have your ministry. May have a name. May not have a name. That doesn't matter at all. You're serving God. Amen. And we as a body want to encourage you. Want to support you. Just go ahead. Do what you have to do. Serve God. But every believer has to be equipped and released. In Luke the 19th chapter verses 11 to 26 Jesus, uh, this is Luke's rendering of the, the parable of the talents. Jesus talks about, uh, he gives the illustration of a nobleman in referring to himself who called his servants and each one he gave them some amount of money. And he said, I'm going to a far, far away place. I'm going to receive a kingdom then come back in Luke 19, 11 to 23. And then later on in that verse, in verse 13, he gives them the instruction, do business till I come. Do business till I come, meaning engage with the world till I return. Each one of us have been given something by the Lord with which we can engage with the world. And when he comes back, he's going to hold us responsible for what we did in engaging with the world with what he gave to us. Now, the traditional way of thinking is this. If you've got a certain gift that God has given you, then, oh, disconnect from the world because you've got to keep your gift holy. That's not what Jesus said. When God's given you something, go into the world. Engage the world with that gift. Do business till I come. Engage the world till I come. And be profitable in the process of doing it. So all of us can engage the world in some way. Some of us engage the world in our business. Some of us engage in education. Some of us engage in government. Some of us engage the world in arts and entertainment, in media. There's so many different ways. Some of us may be doing ministry. That's also engaging the world. And we engage the world in many different ways. But the point is this. The Lord Jesus has given you something with which you can do business till he returns. With which you can engage the world till he returns. He's going to ask you, what did you do with it? How profitable were you with what I gave you? And the other thing Jesus narrates in this parable is that to those who are faithful, he gives authority over cities. And I understand that it has an eschatological perspective, meaning a perspective of the kingdom to come when believers will be given authority over cities based on Daniel chapter 7 and 1 Corinthians 6. But also the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 6 that we are people who have a foretaste of the kingdom to come, meaning we taste in advance of what is yet to come, which means, and I'm convinced about this, that if we are faithful in using what God has given to us to engage the world, He also increases our authority over cities. Amen. So if we want authority in our own city and across cities in our nation, 
we must engage the city with what he has given to us. Not run off in a closet and say, God, I'm consecrating this to you. I'll keep it here till you come back. No, no, no. Take it to the world. Engage the world till he returns. Be profitable for the kingdom. So, God's kingdom comes in and through many ministries, vocations, and locations. It's not confined to the four walls of the church. Neither is it confined to those who are called the clergy. Neither is it confined to a certain kind of ministry. We can engage the world in many different ways, in many different places. Number three. For city transformation, city transformation will take place when every believer engages in city transformation starting with their circle of influence. So what I want us to do, understand is, is we must begin with our circle of influence. You start where you are. Maybe your circle of influence is your place of work where you spend five days a week, maybe sometimes six days a week, at least eight hours a day, you're engaging with these people over and over again. That's your circle of influence. City transformation begins there. Maybe your circle of influence is the place where you live, where you interact with people in that area, in that locality, and you engage with them frequently, regularly. City transformation begins there, in that circle of influence. Amen? Now, it's possible that God might call you to do something else somewhere uh, in another place, and that's fine. But rather than sitting around and waiting for God to tell you to go somewhere, begin with your place, with your circle of influence. Start with people you know in your place of work, in your school, in your college. Be salt and light over there. Number four, city transformation will take place when we combine efforts into a strategic movement that is planned and executed with divine wisdom and leading of the Spirit. In other words, city, we must be purposeful in reaching our city, in discipling our city. It's not going to happen by accident and by itself. You know, we can't say, well, I'll just attend church Sunday after Sunday. I'll go and uh, I'll just be regular in church and somehow my city will get saved. It's not going to happen that way. We must be strategic. We must be purposeful in going out and reaching our city for the kingdom of God. Amen? So we must be purposeful about this, about winning souls in our city, about discipling people in our city. It's not going to happen just by accident. We need the wisdom of God. And we need to know the mind of God for our city. We need, not, we need to know the heart of God for our city. We need to have the eyes of God for our city. Yes, we can learn from what's happening around the world. But for us, let's find out what God wants to do in Bangalore. Amen? Proverbs 21 and verse 22, it's not necessarily in the, in the context of city transformation, but it bears out a point. It says, a wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. A wise man. It takes wisdom to scale a huge city. You look at the city of Bangalore and say, well, this is such a mighty city. Huge. How can we scale it? How can we 
get a group around this city, 11 million people or so. Well, it takes wisdom. A wise man can scale the city. So if we receive wisdom from God, we can scale our city. We can do it. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 14 and 15 says this, There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. So sometimes we look at our city and we say, wow, this city is under siege. The enemy has literally dominated the city and, and has controlled so many areas of the city. There is so much of evil, so much of wickedness, and it's so much of the city is under the control of, of darkness. How could we deliver the city? The Bible says here, a poor wise man, by his wisdom, delivered the city. What's it going to take to deliver our city? The wisdom of God. I think God said it on purpose, a poor wise man, meaning you don't need a whole lot of natural strength. I mean, you might see yourself saying, God, I'm, I'm just a poor person. I mean, what can I do? Listen, you get the wisdom of God. If we get the mind of God for our city, we can deliver the city. And lastly, before we go to the last point, we are journeying on this. Just trying to understand, discern the mind of God for our city and say, God, how can we reach the city for Jesus Christ? Last point, and then we close. City transformation is primarily a spiritual effort. And hence, we must begin by leveraging our spiritual resources given to us in Jesus Christ. So city transformation, what we're talking about is really a spiritual effort. You know, it's not about getting together a great program or some new method necessarily. Now, God will give us strategies and methods and all that. But we must understand that spiritual transformation must begin with spiritual effort. Let's begin in the realm of the Spirit first. Two important areas to begin in the realm of the Spirit. One is to pray. Pray for the city. These are familiar verses in Isaiah 59, verses 14 through 16. The, as I write, he says, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off. Truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness is sustained him. And you see, God sees the wickedness of the city, but what does he look for? He looks for an intercessor. He looks for somebody who says, God, I'm grieved by what I'm seeing in my city and I want to stand before you. For the city. He looks for somebody like that. And he was surprised that there was no one that way. There was no intercessor. He was surprised that nobody would stand before him on behalf of the land where there was wickedness and injustice and truth was, had fallen in the streets and so on. 
Ezekiel bears the same thing out in Ezekiel 22, verses 29 and 30, where he says, The people of the land have used oppression. They've committed robbery. They've mistreated the poor and needy. They wrongfully oppressed the stranger. And here's what God says. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So in the midst of all this evil in the city, what is God looking for? He's looking for people who would stand before him for the land. So that's where we must begin. By saying, God, we have a heart for our city. We are seeing souls in our city in darkness. We are seeing people being oppressed. We are seeing injustice. We are seeing, uh, the, we are seeing corruption. We are seeing the people who want to live good. They're, they fall a prey to injustice. Lord, we are seeing all this and we are crying out to you for our city. God's looking for such people. Amen. And the good news is this. All of us can do it. All it takes is a compassionate heart. That's all. That's all. There's nothing complicated. You're driving down the streets of the city. Just pray. Say, God, I pray for people in the city. You see the poor. You see the oppressed. You see injustice. Just pray in your car, on your bike. You're walking down the street, whatever. Just pray. Be an intercessor. Say, God, I see all these crowds of people. I see all these young people in drugs, living reckless lives. I see all these highly educated, sophisticated people thinking they're wise, but they're actually far away from God. I see all these very successful people, wealthy people, driving their BMWs and and wasting their money like water or whatever. God, they have it all. But they don't have Jesus. So you can pray anywhere. You can be an intercessor. Just have a tender heart that cries out to God saying, God, I am grieved at what I see in the city. Amen. God is looking for such people in our city. And all of us can do it. And the second part of engaging the city spiritually is to deal with the powers of darkness. You and I know from Scripture that Satan has many in bondage. He's established his, his domain or dominion over our city. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 tells us that if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden from those who are dying, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus should penetrate into them. So the God of this world, what has he done? He's blinded the minds of people to prevent the truth of the gospel from penetrating their minds. So the devil is engaging in our city, blinding the minds of many people to keep them from knowing the truth. And then Jesus gave us this understanding of, the, of spiritual reality. In Matthew 12, 28 and 29, he said, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come to you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. In other words, if you want to go and Plunder the strong man's house, you've got to first bind the strong man. 
So for us to bring people out of darkness into the marvelous light of God, we first got to deal with a strong man who's keeping them in darkness. We've got to deal with the powers, the spiritual powers of darkness that are holding people captive. If we bind the strong man, Jesus said, we can plunder his goods. Amen? We can plunder his goods. So engage in that dimension where when you see the devil working, as a believer, you've got spiritual authority. We come together in prayer and in intercession. We also come together to enforce the triumph of the cross over the works of darkness. The work has been done. Jesus has already triumphed over every demon in hell. He's, trying to every, he's already triumphed over every power of darkness. And we enforce that victory. And we say, devil, release these people. Take your blindness off of their minds. We want the light of the gospel to penetrate. We want their eyes to be open. We want people sitting in darkness to see the truth and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the other side of spiritual engagement. Amen. This morning, I want us to leave with this understanding that our city is a mission field. We are in the mission field. All of us have a part to play in reaching our city. Many ministries, many locations, many vocations, many different ways of reaching our city. God has already given you something with which you can engage the city with. Some of your business people do it. Some of your teachers do it. Some of your college students, some of you uh, are in arts and entertainment and media and sports and all kinds of things. You are a missionary. That's a gift God's given you to engage the world. Occupy, do business till he comes. Amen. We want to see all of us out in the world, engaging our city, being salt and light, to see souls saved and people discipled. Amen. We will begin our journey into city transformation. And I believe if we can do it in the city of Bangalore, we can take it to other cities in our nation. Jesus said, I will give you authority over cities. Amen? So we'll be faithful in our city. I'm sure we can be a church that will impact other cities in our nation. We can. But let's begin here. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. So this morning, the call is very simple. We are not going to be sitting around waiting for the big boys to show up. Amen? We, little old nothings, are going to do something for God. We're going to go out there and make a difference for the kingdom. So I want, as you stand here, I just want you to please take a few moments to pray based on what you heard this morning and saying, God, you placed me in this city for a purpose. This is my mission field right now. I'm here. Show me how I can be salt and lights. Show me how I can see people saved and discipled right where I am. In the spheres of, in the circles of influence that you've given me, oh God. How can I influence lives for the kingdom of God? How can I help move people out of darkness into the marvelous light of God? Pray and say, God, use me. Use me. We want to see every believer, every person, young or old, rich or poor, whatever your age, background, education, qualification, doesn't matter what it is, 
you have a ministry. You are a minister of God. You have a sphere of influence. You can serve God. You can be a part of this move to see our city transform. And it depends on you. You're an important part of it. Right in your circles of influence, you can start making a difference. As you stand before the Lord this morning, would you pray please and say, God, I want to make a difference in this city. Or if you're from out of town, you're from another city, where you're going to go back, carry this with you. Say, God, I want to make a difference in my city that I belong to. Father, we are praying this morning, God, that each one of us, each one of us will be involved in in discipling our city, oh God. You said, go make disciples. We want to obey that command, Lord. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will empower, will equip, will energize each and every one here. Each and every one here. Let the Spirit of the living God empower us. That in our circles of influence, we will make disciples, Lord. Whether it's in the high places of corporate offices, whether it's out in the slums and the dark places of our city, whether it's through our homes and neighborhoods, or whether it's through the boardrooms and corporate offices, Lord, wherever you've placed each one of us, Help us to make disciples. Birth, oh God, a mighty move of your spirit. Through us, it will begin to transform our city. Birth it through us. God saw the land. He saw the, the truth had fallen on the streets. And he had injustice and oppression and and he looked for an intercessor he looked for somebody with a heart for the city somebody would pray somebody who would be grieved who would be pained at the darkness and say God come intervene in this city oh God come intervene in this land Come visit the city, O oh God. We pray for people in our city, O oh God. We pray for people, oh God. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Just increase it, increase it, increase it, God. And let this city be blessed. Let this city be blessed. Lord, we declare your word upon your people, declaring, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Go transform the city. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. 
we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.